Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today has been producing music for the past 19 years. He grew up in a household where his mother was a musician and his father owned a record store, so from a young age, music was a big part of his life. His passion for music, however, began when he found out and listened to Michael Jackson's Dangerous record, and after buying his first computer as a teenager, he discovered producing software and has never looked back since. Fast forward to today, he has become one of the top producers in the UAE, he has worked with high-profile international artists such as Pusha T, and the tracks he has produced have amassed over 30 million streams on Spotify. He also launched his digital social media agency called Harmony three years ago, alongside his brother and partner, where they seek to create the best experience for their clients through incorporating music, fashion, and culture. During this week's episode, we discussed his journey through music, he shares with us his knowledge and experience around music production, and we talk about the difference between being journey-driven and goal-driven in our lives. In the early days of his music career, he had doubts as to whether he could make a living from music, but his passion for music coupled with his talent and desire have been the key factors that have contributed to his success. His vision for the future is to lay the foundation and provide musicians with the platform to be able to sustain themselves financially as they grow their careers. And the best piece of advice he wanted to share is to not focus solely on your goals, but rather enjoy the journey and the process. Please welcome to the show, AY the producer himself, Mr. Ayham Khamsi. Dumb, thank you man thank you for having me bro thanks it's a, it's a really nice setup it's very uh homegrown yes, i like it, it. <laughs> we're literally in his bedroom by the way we literally are we literally are this is where all the magic happens for a recording <laughs> uh am thanks so much for coming today thank man you. i really appreciate it uh so we got put in touch in touch sorry through thought it who's a mutual friend of ours yeah. and he's been talking about your company and your music for so long and i'm yeah. like i need to meet this guy and get him on the podcast because yeah. it sounds super interesting Tarek. but uh yeah thought <laughs> shout out to Tarek, man. shout out to Tarek, man for sure but for the people who don't know i why don't you just give us a little background about yourself and we'll take it from there um so i'm obviously i'm known as a music producer more than anything and that's what people talk to me about most of the time um i think i'm an entrepreneur okay i'm still figuring it out um you know um i'm a creative uh, yeah and um you know i've been in dubai for a really long time so i think i'm from dubai now sure because you know you're like when you're a nomad you you're born somewhere you <laughs> grow up somewhere and then you're raised somewhere else and then you spend the rest of your life somewhere else yeah i'm originally syrian okay i am still syrian i don't have another passport yes um, he's loyal he's loyal i'm you know <laughs> and um yeah i mean that's kind of like just bullet points yeah yeah the yeah. high level for sure yeah, yeah so you grew up in dubai and i didn't grow up in dubai i grew oh, up in saudi up. oh you grew up in saudi so yeah. when did you make the move over here uh i came to university here so i uh, high school aud oh okay so high right. school was in saudi and then i came to aud because it was the you know the next best thing because uh like during the time where i graduated it would have been like either lebanon or or Dubai. Yeah. And then the States was not an option because my parents were like, it's too far. What if something happens? How are we going to get to you? I'm like, that's the whole point, you know? <laughs> Let me go. The standard. But the then standard. The, the war broke out in Lebanon. Like, it was around the assassination time. Ah, uh, okay. So, like, it wasn't really safe. Sure. You know, so we kind of, like, I, Dubai was the next best thing. So, I just came out here and... I never left. And were you when you came? Were you when you came and you graduated? Were you planning to? Did you ever plan to stay here, or it kind of just you, it kind of just happened? You know what it is like when you get to Dubai, you have this love and hate relationship with it in the beginning. Like, sure. I can't wait to leave. Like, yeah. I, I want to go like and explore. I want to go to Europe and I want to do all these things. And as soon as I graduated, I remember my visa ran out, and then wow. I had to like I was looking for jobs, and then I couldn't get anything, and it was right around. It was 2003 like the economy was terrible at that point like 
there was no jobs. So I had no visa. I'm like, all right, I got to go back to Saudi. And I remember I sent out and applied a bunch of companies. And I said, I was doing interviews that nobody wanted to hire. I went to Saudi and I was just miserable. Like I moved in back to like my, it was like, it was like uh, one of those like American Pie movies. Yeah, I moved yeah. into my parents' <laughs> house again. I was living alone here. So suddenly I'm like, I'm in my apartment. My mom just knocking the door, barging <laughs> through, like no privacy. And uh, I got a call from Shell Hub at that point. And they're like, listen, like we're hiring um, someone for the PR department. I didn't even hear what the thing was. They're like, we're paying nothing. Like it was like literally nothing. Like, I'll take it. Yes, yes. I just took the job because I needed to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah. Can I curse? Yeah, of course. Right. I, just needed to, I just yeah. needed to get out of there. So I got out of there and I came and I like the salary was so low. But I just, I and I didn't know nothing. I didn't even know what PR is, was, right? Fact, so yeah. I ended up in like communications PR handling like new car brands and like <laughs> stuff I wasn't even into. Sure. And um, I was in the PR department. I was literally like the only guy and I was working at Havas at that. I was literally the only guy in that department. I think there was like one other dude. Um, and yeah, so I came out here and I just, I was like, I'm going to figure it out because at the, mo- at the moment when I spent a month in Saudi and getting used to how organized things were here mm. and like the lifestyle and stuff, I was like, yeah, I can't really go back there. I just sure. didn't see myself um, spending because I also still had like music ambition. I was like, yeah. Yeah, Dubai is a lot like more international. I could mm. do more stuff there. I just felt like I wanted to stay here. So that's when I sort of like moved back for work, and I okay. just, I've been here since ever since. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the perfect segue. So you you mentioned about the music. So I wanted yeah. to ask, where did where does your passion for music come from? Has it always been a part of your life? Walk us through that like this whole like music journey you've been going on. Okay. Uh, music, passion. Uh, so I grew up in Damascus, Syria, right? Okay. Uh, my mom is actually a musician, right? So my okay. mom comes from like like university, like music band and stuff like that. You know, Drahbani days, and she's had like demos and stuff. And she like funny. We'd have like pictures of my mom singing with the band and stuff. And my dad, which I found out later on in my life, used to own a record shop in Damascus. Oh no way! He's okay. an engineer, but like he just had passion in music. Till today, you'll ask my dad, you'll hum any melody from like the 70s or the 80s, he'll tell you the yeah, artist. He just got it. It's crazy. So I remember I always liked music because music was always playing in my house. And it was like my dad had this video mixtape with like Brian Adams and like um, Stairway to Heaven oh, and like the all these like, yeah, all these like yeah. rock songs from that era, right? And then like I remember coming across, I think my passion really like, Michael Jack I'm a Michael Jackson. Oh yeah. I found like a Michael Jackson tape somewhere in Syria and I was obsessed. I was like, what what is this? Like this is incredible. Is this guy? Yeah. Like I was never I, I, I spoke I didn't speak a word of English. And like if you spoke English and you were young and then you hear Michael Jackson singing, you're still not gonna understand what he's saying because <laughs> he not. he's slurring everything, right? He was like literally the first young thug before young thug ever came because he was like already doing mumble sure. rap kind of thing. Like <laughs> But then I liked I liked melody and stuff. Like, yeah. what is this? And I would like listen to his songs all the time. And then I moved to Saudi and I just had all these tapes. And I would I would listen to music like. But I think all teenagers had this age had well not teenagers like young kids they love music so much with a passion. But then I got my hand on my first computer, and then I started wanting and I got and I found a software somewhere. Would you free loops to start? Not even. It was like <laughs> called EJ, which was really weird. It's like basically. It's like all these loops, you just throw them on top of each other. Everything is synced to the same key and you just build like loops and you build songs with it. And I started trying to record myself. And remember this, uh, how old are you? 
Uh, about to be 30, yeah. Oh, so we're, we're the same? Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Perfect. So remember that old mic we used to have for like, the, the computer PC mic, yes, the yes. really cheap one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yo, I can record, you know? Like, shit, I'm going to be a rapper, you know? At the point, at the point, like, Eminem is out. And, like, you know, like, I remember moving to Riyadh. And, like, for a while, I was, like, pop music until, like, I met these kids. And they were like, yo, have you heard of Tupac? I'm like, what the fuck is a Who's Tupac? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, check this out. And I grew up in the big era. Like, I didn't know anything about East Coast rap at this point. I knew I just got introduced to, like, West Coast rap. And, like, okay. Tupac, I'm like, oh, this is sick. And then, like, Dr. Dre, I'm like, oh, my God, there's a white guy called them and I'm dope and I was like I was really into like rap so I started trying to rap and it was really bad like okay. really bad there's demos out there of me somewhere that some of my friends still hold over my head they're like oh. we have your demos <laughs> we will ruin you I'm like please guys that's lifetime blackmail there so like, I got into music and I wanted to put things together I was recording stuff so I don't like I don't think there was a starting point for me mm. I just think I was like I was always like kind of like meant to make music somehow yeah. and I can't seem to stop yeah, 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 yeah. And what's the kind of music that you like to produce typically? I've heard some of your stuff, and from my, correct me if I'm wrong, my perspective is a lot of it's like rap, trap, those kind yeah. of like heavy beats, but also like that are quite melodic as well. Yeah. So like, what do you like? What do you typically like? I think, so I traced it back. Once I started getting more into music and I started reading up and listening to the albums that I really liked, I traced back to a point, then I figured out what it was. It's uh, Michael Jackson, Dangerous the album was produced by a guy called Teddy Riley. Okay. So, um, and that was like my pop phase. And then when I got into like my, my like rap music phase, I was into the rap. It's cool. But like, I like the stuff with like the R&B hooks more. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was like that kind of like soulful R&B stuff. Sure. And then I found, so I was looking for pop music. I'm like, Blackstreet? What, what the fuck is a Blackstreet? Oh, Blackstreet. Right? Legend. Are those like Backstreet Boys? <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like the, I hate the word urban, the urban version. Yeah, sure. I picked it up and I was like, what is this? And it was like their first album. And I was like, I, and then I'm like, oh, I love this. And I was like, so into like Blackstreet. I had every album. But like down the line, I'm like, oh my God, Teddy Riley is Blackstreet. Oh shit. And you Teddy produced Riley produced my favorite Michael Jackson album. And I always like jam and like keep it in the closet. Like people love Thriller from yeah, Michael Jackson, yeah. but I love like Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, remember the time, all those songs. And it was all Teddy Riley. Yeah, yeah. And then I like my favorite, like my point of like, le- really loving R&B music was like Blackstreet. I'm like, all right, cool. So it's one. So I really love R&B music. I've always okay. liked melodic R&B, soulful. Like I like music that hits you right here. Yeah. So even if I make something like with super like trap influence, I always like the melody to be so vibey and f- like if the music doesn't hit you right here and does something to you emotionally i kind of like pass on to i pass on it like you i don't really on. like it yeah yeah and when you're when you're putting like music together because like you mentioned in those examples that you know there was you like the rap but <clears throat> you learned the r&b soulful stuff from yeah. that when you're incorporating music from different things the question i seem to ask myself because some people are like Oh, I love this music because they just care about the beat. But some people just care about the lyrics. So you as a producer, you're the one that's responsible for all the beats. So yeah. when you're working with artists, how do you guys come together on something that you're both kind of happy with? Yeah, I'm not too. So I'm not too picky when it comes to lyrics. I'll be honest with you. OK. And I think that's one thing that either I lack or I'm good at. Like, I can't even tell. I don't I can't really tell you if it's like a weakness or a strength. But a lot of the times I'm more about delivery more than what you're saying it's how you're saying it like my concern is about okay. that interesting because like come on like Kanye had a whole song like 
you know, scoopity doop, like, and it's just people are going crazy, like, he's just saying it cool. And I realized that you could say anything, it's just if you do it right, like, and a really good example of that is, um, is I want it that way for Backstreet Boys. Yeah, there's a famous story about that song where the lyrics, if you actually listen to the lyrics and try to break them down, they make absolutely no sense. Okay, so the writer who wrote the song is a guy called, um, what was his name? He's Swedish, I believe. And he's famous. I, the name escapes me right now. Uh, is he the guy that Martin. produced for like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and did all the pop yeah, bands yeah, at the yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to look really bad that I don't remember the name. But I love this guy because <laughs> yeah, I always yeah, yeah. preach him, right? And and he doesn't really, like, he, like English is not his first language. So he's about delivery. So he also did Taylor Swift. He also did Can't Feel My Face for the weekend. Mm. Um, and then basically he's all about delivery. Okay. And it's, I think it's always been that way for me because English is not my first language, right? So sure. it's like I'm not the best. Like I'm not going to sit here and write the best song for you. I'm not going to lie. But I can tell you how to sing it for you to, again, like deliver it in a way where it hits. Yeah. So I think writing is not my thing. Delivery is more my thing. Like my brother is probably the writer and he's okay. always much better. And he always does things where I go like, you know what? The way you said it before was better. Or that word maybe like I'll probably like change a word in yeah. the whole song or maybe two words. Sure, sure. But like... Really diving into writing has never been my thing. Like, I like the making the song. I don't like writing the song. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That yeah. makes perfect sense. But uh, something you said that's very interesting about the delivery, I never considered that. You know, I always thought it's lyrics, beats, but yeah. delivery is a key part in, in that whole mix. A lot of the times it starts with beat, delivery, then writing. Oh, really? Okay. So a lot of people do, they do a mumble delivery, right? So well, they, just, they say a bunch of random stuff. Like, they sing anything. Just to kind of see what kind of because that comes to you naturally before you write. And then those kind of start speaking words to you, the mumble you're doing. You know what I mean? And you can hear early demos from like Michael Jackson. You can hear early early demos, they're out there where you can hear writers kind of just mumbling things. And then somehow you start hearing words and you start plugging in, like, oh, I want it, like I'm saying here, I love or whatever, and you start mm. plugging them out. Yeah, yeah. And you start coming up with a with a with a song to write because a lot of the times when you when you separate those two you kind of create the best version possible okay interesting you can't write and deliver at the same time some people are talented enough to do it like but a lot of the times when you when you talk to any songwriter they'll tell you like we'll mumble things we'll hum things it's melody and then we start writing words to it and then it starts getting deeper and deeper and deeper and changing things for it to really connect but delivery is very important like yeah. And some of the best artists in the world is because it's more about their delivery. That's why when you see like a song and you like you see like a baby for Justin Bieber and you find like 25 people credited on the song. Yeah. You know, it's because yeah, someone someone says like, oh, don't say like, baby, I say, baby. you know, like yeah, someone yeah, will yeah. give you like a different thing. Mm. There's famous stories about Kanye West walking in a guy who's delivering pizza and goes like, what do you think of this song? And the guy would give him like. And suggestion, and then he, the pizza guy, would end up getting credited or some shit yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's a it's a collaborative effort, but yeah. like delivery is important. Delivery is important, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I was thinking about because I feel that correct me if I'm wrong from your experience. I feel that when you're listening to like a really good song, the produce the producer doesn't get maybe sometimes doesn't get the credit he deserves, and the artist takes that credit. For example, yeah. like you hear a sick like Kanye song, yeah. whether he produced it or not. Let's yeah. say someone else produced it, you're like. Oh, that's a sick Kanye song. Very few people like will go that extra layer and can credit the person who actually produced that song. What yeah. do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Or do you think nowadays producers are becoming a lot more prominent and getting the recognition they deserve? It's a really complex co question because I've had, I've had a lot of instances where I myself like 
where was really outspoken about like producer credit. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I still struggle with sometimes where there's like, there's a song that I produced that had 6 million streams today. Nobody knew I produced that song and it's for a local artist, but like, whatever, you know what I mean? I didn't get credit. Fine. Um, I don't think it's for everybody, but the reason why it's more important ever today is because back in the day, I don't know how young is your crowd, but back in the day we used to buy the CDs and the cassettes and we opened them and there's like a whole full credit yeah. for everybody that worked on the song, you know, yeah, and yeah, lyrics yeah. and stuff like that. But like today that doesn't exist. You have to like right click on Spotify to get song credits. And most of the time they're not delivered correctly. So the people don't really get their credit in terms of production. I think it's important. But then again, like there's different layers to how much you like something. You know what I mean? If you like yeah, art, yeah. you'll see a painting like, cool, but you'll meet another guy go like, oh, this is in the style of whatever, and this is inspired by this guy, and this is actually the name of the artist. So I don't think it's meant to be for everybody. I just think there should be some kind of, not criteria, but more of like, um, it's a, it, the only person that kind of doesn't get a lot of the love from songs is like two people under under it, like the mix engineers and the producers, mm, yeah. right? They get like yeah. absolutely nothing from yeah, it, yeah, unless yeah. like you're a superstar producer, like a Timberland or a Hit Boy. Um, but I think it should be like a thing between artists and producers, right? There should be a level of respect where the producer has played a really important part in the song. They should be credited for it and it should sure. come kind of like out of respect. You know yeah. what I mean? But do I think it's the audience's thing? I don't think so. Okay. Because it's more of an artist job. Like when you see when you see like really famous artists, they, they credit their engineer or their producer or they shout them out on the song. Or like yeah. Jay-Z always goes like guru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Drake always says like 40 or Boy Wonder. Or like he always mentions all the people he works with. My brother does the same, right? Like there's there's a line about me in, in a few songs or Majid would do the same. So I don't think it's a crowd thing. I think it's like an artist-producer relationship more than anything. And it has to be like out of love. You know what I mean? Like it's like think about a really famous restaurant that you really like going to. But like and the chef, no one knows who the chef is. True. And yeah, it happens a lot. You yeah, know that's what I mean? true. On very the other true. hand, you can go to LPM and people know who the chef is. Like it's more famous. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it depends, honestly. So it's a very complicated answer because they haven't figured it out in more like advanced countries. And like, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But something interesting that you said that I didn't take into consideration was that it's on the artists to address that issue, not the crowd, not the audience listening yeah. to it. Yeah. It's, 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 so there's multiple layers to it. I think it's publication, editorial, okay. editorial part, artist part, and then the crowd, like the, then the crowd would know. But if you don't tell them, they wouldn't know, right? Exactly. So exactly. I think it's a, it's a multi-layer problem. Like there was a thing that was published a while ago by this like independent blog in Dubai. And they're like praising this artist that I, so I worked with this artist called Michelle. Okay. And Michelle's incredible. Like she, we started working and she, it was her first project and we started really carving out this like soundscape. And honestly, like she really knew what she wanted, but it just came naturally because that's the stuff that I like too. So we mm. ended up doing like a four track EP and it, it just, it really hit. Like I thought, I, I think this is probably one of my best like bodies of work concise bodies of work um and then a publication or a blog from here kind of like or from the region wrote like a really nice piece of um review about it right mm. and i got really upset right i'm like what the fuck like where's my name why am i not credited in there like why don't you mention me and then a guy hits me up who's a really close friend of mine and goes like bro that kind of looks bad on you okay. i'm like why he's like you look like the angry producer that's expecting too much and i'm like i get that and i respect that 
But if it wasn't a review that was discussing the soundscape and the production and the style of mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. how it sounds and all that stuff, then I wouldn't be upset. But like you literally described all the work that, that I did. You, did. you just emitted my name from it saying like, oh, like, you know, kudos to this idiot that sat and like mixed a song for 24 hours, you know what I mean? Or reviewed a mix 17 times or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like a re- like. I don't want to come off as the angry producer or anything like that. I don't really care about like I don't have that type of energy. I have a really good relationship with most of the people that I work with, but I think after that incident, I kind of was like, you know what, like enough is enough type thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to make sure that I get what I'm owed because like no one is fending. Like I don't see an artist out there fending for us, right? And I don't see another producer fending for me or anybody fending for me. Like I have to build it block by block, so I got to take care of myself, kind of thing. And um, you know, it is what it is. If people, if, if if I come off as the angry producer or the producer that kind of like is screaming from the t- like, let that be a lesson to the next person, or let that be something that maybe the next generation can mm. take from and run yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But I think producers are so important. The reason why we don't have a developing scene is because you can count the producers on one hand that are in the city, and every day we have a few guys joining, which is really good. But like. It's like people are like, oh, how come we don't have enough like music coming out from the city or from the region or whatever? I'm like, because you don't have enough factories. And the producers are the factories. Like They're the people who are actually creating this art and helping artists realize their vision. Yeah. So how do you want me not to kind of like fend for my own or kind of like tell people it's producers are important or you should credit your producers because there's a kid who's sitting in his bedroom right now who thinks he's an artist, but he's actually a producer, but he doesn't know about it. Mm. And like if we don't tell if we don't tell the stories if if we don't look if we don't make producers look like heroes because you think about it right an artist will make one song two albums three albums a producer a producer in the range of his span like if he's really active he'll make he'll make a lot of careers yeah exactly yeah, yeah. lots of careers yeah, yeah. so for every one pla- producer producers become platforms right you think about a, you think about a Timberland. Right. There's a Nelly Furtado. There's a Aliyah. There's a Justin Timberlake. And the list goes on. You think about a Pharrell and then you think about how many people for like the clips, push it, see onwards, onwards. You think about a, a 40. You think of Party Next Door. You think of Drake. You think of like whatever other artists that come from OVO. So every producer actually builds a platform. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They enable so many, so many other. So how are we sitting here having a conversation about a producer getting a credit? Yeah, how be, is that too should much? Should be a given, right? Like we should be getting our credit. And some some artist told me, but I paid you your fee. What does that mean? What if I was a painter right now and you paid me to paint this painting? Is it still not my painting? Yeah. So there's a really weird line where artists are artists, you know, performers are performers, MCs are MCs, but a producer is just like a, like we don't have the the rights of an artist. Yeah, exactly. You said it perfectly. Which I find very weird. Yeah. My credit. I still deserve it. If anything, I should be getting royalty cuts from all the records that I'm making. I'm passing it on to you because I know you're independent and you're not making a lot of money. You know what I mean? Mm. So there's not like a level of respect for producers, even though we craft sounds. Yeah. Which I think is a shame. But yeah. you know what I mean? It is what it is. Yeah. You want to be appreciated for your work. And especially if the artist that you... Not like my you, shitty work. Like not, if, if yeah. I'm doing a good job, you know, I get it. The artist is doing really well. They're all over like whatever. Like, but cool, but like... You know, it'd be nice to so, be kind yeah. of like, cool, like kudos to you too, brother. You know, you spent as much time working on these records or making them sound perfect. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that it plays like, it, play, it kind of hits on a nerve sometimes. Sure. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, something you said that I didn't consider before 
about production is that they really are a platform for so many people and so many artists are successful because of the people that have helped them produce this music. So yeah. like you said, I think they should deserve to get that credit. But when it comes to working with artists, I'm sure not by now you've worked with like a bunch of artists. How has your approach or like working with artists changed like from when you first started to now? Because maybe at the beginning you just wanted to like work with people, you know, get some music out, build up your yeah. name. But now that you're more like established, has that changed? Uh, how, how does that come together? I think I have a different approach. To, first of all, I'm blessed because I don't have the typical producer journey. Like okay. when I started, there wasn't like, when I started making music, there wasn't a lot of artists to work with. So I had to find them and then build with them. Okay. And then they weren't like a little more known or whatever. We kind of like started from scratch, right? And we built it and then they became successful at one point. Some of them have, some of them haven't. But like... Um, my approach has always been like very collaborative, right? Like I don't like, that's why I never took a fee in the beginning. Like oh, I really? Just, yeah, like my, my starting point was very passion driven. Okay. I wanted to just okay. make music and I was just in the studio all the time and I'm working with a lot of different artists. And then I started working with an, with, there's a guy called Hamza Hosawi. He won yeah. X Factor. Yeah, you met, I, I was checking yeah. him out. Yeah. So Hamza was like, Hamza was the point where we used to call him AZ. I still call him AZ till today. I don't believe it's Hamza. <laughs> to me, he's a, I always tell him, you're AZ forever. Shout out to AZ. So <laughs> he started, I remember I was working on like a producer album. So I was okay. like, all right, I want to, I still want to sing a little bit. I still want to rap a little bit, but I want to work with different artists, right? I was like, on oh, my Timbaland shit. I was young. But, the, uh, you know, so he, my friend, a good friend of mine, his name is Anas Arabi, who's still an artist today. I'm still working with him. He's an Arabic rapper now. Um, he's like, yo, you got to meet this guy. His name's Easy, you know. He's really good. He has amazing vocals, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He brings in Hamza. Remember at that point, Hamza was still also figuring himself out. And then he comes in and sings something. And I'm like, I remember the moment where I'm like, yeah, I'm not an artist. Like, he made me realize that I'm a producer. What did he do? He was just so good. Just like his ta voice? Or was he his was just so just talented. I'm like, it's a shame that I would have to put vocals on anything and spend time working on anybody. Mm. Let me work on you. Yeah. Let's work together. Sure. Let's make me records. And we started making records and we dropped we dropped one song on YouTube. It's somewhere there. It's embarrassing because I do the intro for it. It's absolutely embarrassing. <laughs> I hope nobody ever finds it. Um, and we do that song and like everyone starts calling. Like early days of YouTube. Everyone's like, oh, what the fuck is this so good? Oh, this Udi. Oh my God, this guy's from Saudi. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it, like it kind of takes off. And then Hamza has like a little buzz. Okay. You know what I mean? And we start working on more music. I come out to Dubai. We're still working back and forth. And then Hamza starts taking off slowly, slowly, slowly until he gets the opportunity to get on X Factor. And then he gets on X Factor. And the rest is history. You know what yeah. I mean? But like that was my starting point. Okay. My starting point was right there. You know, I got to develop with an artist and then see the artist kind of get to the maximum point. And this is an artist that everyone said, it won't work. You're Saudi, you're singing in English. Really? You know what I mean? There's okay. a lot of like underlying issues and stuff. And there's like, eventually he ends up winning X Factor. And he, he, he sang a word in Arabic in the whole show. So it was really cool. And then at the same time, I have a brother who has been stealing my beats since I was young, right? <laughs> like come in and like leave vocals on my shit or like jacks my sessions right? and like brings in his friends. He's trying to rap too, right? Okay. So m he develops himself to the point where I'm like, yo, you're dope. Okay. I, you're dope now. Like, yeah. let's work. And I, I, and I would like throw him some beats here and there and we start developing. And then like, long story short, 
we're in Toronto years down the line and we're making a song with Pusha T with Mo. Right? That's sick. Yeah, so like... That's sick. It's like I got to... My journey was always... I'm an investor. Okay. I'm an entre- Like when I say I'm an entrepreneur, I am an entrepreneur because I never took money from any of these artists. Eventually, they paid me. But they paid me way down the line after years of work of us developing a brand together. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So like when when I started working with Momo was like kind of like everyone's like, bro, like this guy doesn't like what is he like? We don't get it. And like I remember I remember meeting a lot of people here in Dubai. It's like, no, your brother won't work. You know, your brother doesn't have the image of a rapper. Like he's not blingy enough, or he's not like you know what I mean. He doesn't have the vibe of an artist. Mo is like a nice guy, you know, but he can rap. He's really good, and. I'm like, nah, you, I like him. I think he's really good. Like, I enjoy making music with him. And then, like, we kept making music. And then it developed. Same thing with Majid. I remember hearing a song from him on the radio, early, early records. It was, shout out to Big House. He was playing his song on the radio. I tweeted, Majid's next. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, who the fuck am I to call anybody next? Like, I'm like Swiss Beast or something. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, Majid's next. And Majid goes like, yo, I fuck with you. I'm like, oh, I fuck with you too. And then next thing we know, you know what I mean? We're like, we're opening an office in Saudi. Oh, shit. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, everything everything has a starting point. And like, and no one ever like sits here and that kind of digs under the hood to see the starting point of things. Exactly. Everyone kind of tells you, well, now I, I'm worth like $20 million and I drive this car. But like, I'm more interested in the... That's why I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like, yeah. tell me the initial story. Give me that starting point because yeah. no one realizes like a lot of things start with such a small beginning and then they just flourish into these massive things. Like, I met Majid on Twitter. Now we own a massive company. It's not massive, but we own an advertising agency. Yeah. We yeah. own something that in comparison to where we started and where we are now, it's like... It's it's, night and day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like... Same thing with Mo. Like, Mo was like, oh, no, your brother can't rap, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We got a record with Pusha T, and we got, like, millions of streams, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, we signed a deal with Sony, and, like, it's oh, like, shit. you know what I mean? It's, like, oh, wow. small, but, like, do you have... So, when you ask me about my journey and my yeah. process as a, as a producer, I'm a believer. Like, I'm a fan first, you know? Like, yeah. then later on, when we started the agency, I started working for fee. Yeah, like, but that was fair. way down the line, you know. Yeah. Like, I was taking a very, I worked with a few artists in my day for a fee, but it was like small money here and there. But then, like, when I started the agency, I needed to kind of like, all right, the agency we're building it, it's not gonna make money. I need to kind of like survive, you know what I mean? Because I'm not gonna like, I don't have anyone supporting me to kind of like stay like afloat. Yeah. So all my life, I looked at music as something that will never pay the bills. Really, that's yeah. interesting. It, it's just it can't, bro. It's yeah, such a, it's, it's very hard. difficult. Yeah, but I don't blame you for thinking. that. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. But then, but then I find myself for like a year and a half living off of music. That's I'm cool. like, yeah, I want to start DJing. Boom, I'm like DJing. I'm doing all these gigs, and then like, um, my where I'm doing all these sessions. My schedule is like insane, and I'm surviving from music. And I'm just like, I remember I'm on the phone with my mom, and I'm like, you know, the thing that I always did for the love kept me alive for like two years yeah you know and what i built this like i owe everything to music because my creativity comes from there and then like it also helped me stay alive in the most critical point of my life yeah you know i mean it was a it was not it was not an easy point so uh th- at that point i started having more of like everything i've learned from other artists and it's very hard when you take money from someone because you stop being i don't know i hate taking money from artists not because of anything because okay. I want to be able to tell someone, get the fuck out. 
And you think if someone's paying you, you lose the ability to be fully authentic with them. You lose the ability to say, I don't want to work with you. Okay. You're working for money now, right? Yeah. So you got to do these sessions, right? Yeah. But I've always been a producer that came from the point of passion. Yeah. I've never been a producer that came from the point of money. Yeah. I've always never needed music to survive. But then when music, when I ha- and I've always been scared at that point. Mind you, I'm talking to you from a point where I've been offered a job at Universal Music. And I made a conscious decision to not do that because I love music so much and I did not want to see under the hood. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I love music. I never needed to survive off of it. I don't need to see what it looks like on the inside. It's ugly. I know it's ugly. Mm-hmm. Everything is. Everything you love, when you dig under the hood, it's ugly. Yeah. It's never pretty. Yeah. The process is ugly, right? So I never sure. really wanted to learn that part of it. Okay. And then when I started taking, and this is no nothing like if any artist that I work with have, ha, is listening, I love all of them. Like I have great relationships with them. It's just, I'm kind of digging more into my psyche. And yeah, how, how you think. see things. Yeah, exactly. And I never wanted to take money. But I was wrong because... I started meeting so many talented people and they opened up the door and I was known, I would speak to some people who go like, oh, you're, uh, you were known as a producer who doesn't work with many people. You're unapproachable as a person. You have okay. like this, you have this like really like unapproachable aura as a person. Okay. Coming from other artists or other, other people and, and kind of like this scene, like, oh, we don't want to like, you know. And then I started working for Fee and I started meeting a lot of more artists. And then I started developing my approach with people and I started recognizing how to kind of bring out the best out of some people and mm, then realizing yeah. that I, as a producer, have certain capacities that I cannot, um, that I cannot get beyond. Like, I, sure. have, I have, in my opinion, one of my best projects that I've done is with Hamdan Labri, which has never seen the light of day. Like, we've done like four to five songs, which I think are incredible. They just never finished. You know okay. what I mean? Which I think is... Uh, which makes me sad, but I was never able to finish the project. Not because I'm not worthy as a producer, not because he's not, he's an incredible artist, but then I realized that I'm not, I'm like a specific type of artist. I'm like a vibe type of artist. Like, okay. you know, and then when the agency took off, I started kind of like taking less and less and less sessions. And now I have like, you know, a few clients that I'm working with here and there, but it's a lot more selective yeah the ones that you feel like really fit your vision and the kind of music that you like to make yeah like the things you could think you could make the best music like i'm with. not overcrowding myself exactly like i'm yeah. not sessioning every day with yeah, like yeah. different artists like i'm kind of i have like four or five people that i'm working with and my core my core artists that i'm working with i'm sure. kind of like just that's good i'm taking it slow type of thing yeah, yeah. one thing you said about um like and hamdan's case you made some great songs but it never finished and one thing i was thinking about is especially with music you know how I think of music kind of like a movie. You know how like sometimes they remake a movie and a lot of songs get remixed as well? Yeah. And music never really... F- music, yes, a song is released, but you could always... That project could go on forever if you wanted to. Yeah, you can yeah. always change something. So how do you know when a song is... When you're comfortable like with a song, like now this is good, this is ready, it's done. And do you think some songs should never be touched? Like, you know, the purists might say like... Yeah. That is a classic song. There's no need for like remakes with like Pitbull on that shit. Yeah. How do I know when a song is... It's a feeling. Okay. that I get with a record that I know it's done and also I know what it's like to work on a song forever okay. so it's like it's it's two different things my obsession is with execution I don't like spending too much time on anything okay. because I've I get to a point where it's I want perfection but then I know that I have a buffer as a human yeah I'm trying to do too much and that's always been my problem so like, I, I always like look at my tasks like, oh, fuck, I got like 25 songs that I need to finish. And I'm like, I don't know how am I going to finish 25 songs? I'm one human. But the point is, 
it's never finished. Art is never finished. Yeah. Like in reality, you could work on a song forever, but like the things that you do, like when it, I think a song, when it gets to like 80%, it's finished. Okay. Because that last 20%, only you hear it. You mm. and the artist and a selected few of like an engineer or like a friend producer of yours that you hit you up and go like, that snare, man. Yeah. You could have yeah. EQ'd between like, and I'm like, I don't really think anyone heard it. Yeah, yeah. And my one blessing is I am not a technical producer. So I'm 33. Okay. I've been making and mixing songs for so long. I really don't know how to like technically describe what I do. Like I have producers hit me up and go, like, yo, that compression you did on that kick is like unbelievable. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know how to use a compressor. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, people who are watching this, if there's a producer watching this, they're like, what the fuck? How are you even a producer? Like, how do you think the? I think music is a feeling for me. Okay. And I've oh, not that I haven't tried to get technical. Yeah. I just get really bored so quick. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to execute. Like I want to make music. I don't want to sit there and like, oh, you put a ratio one over for like I couldn't care fucking less. I'll be honest with you. And then then people hear stuff and I have artists or producers or mixers or whatever and it's like, oh, that mix is great. I love how you did the widening whatever. And I'm like. I don't know. I just did it. I just I, did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't really have, like, a technical methodology behind what I do. I've yeah. never done that. Yeah. And I've never had that. I've always tried to achieve something that I hear in my head or I've seen. Mm-hmm. So I, arc- I archive things. Okay. So I hear, like, a snare yeah. or I listen to a vocal or I see a creative and I'm like, that's a cool idea. Archive. Okay. I just keep moving. Keep, yeah, keep it for the I just time. archive shit yeah, yeah, in my yeah, head. Yeah, like, yeah. I hear a mix. And I'm like, oh, that, that delay thing is very cool. And then, like two years down the line I'm like on like some blog and someone's like that technicality is called this this I'm like oh cool the thing I've been doing actually has a term oh awesome man yeah name, like, to, yeah. name to the process exactly yeah, like, yeah, yeah. do you side chain your 808s I'm like maybe I don't even know how to side chain till today <laughs> like I literally don't side chain him I look people look at me no I'm like I hate I hate side chaining by the way don't side chain your 808s personally but like <laughs> it's just like I'm not a technical person and sure. I, I think I purposefully I purposefully how do you say purposefully. it purposefully what he said <laughs> uh, what he said they, I've done that on purpose yeah because I feel like again just like I didn't want to look under the hood I still want to discover like I love yeah. when I discover you want to learn you yeah. want to learn of course and then like a really cool engineer that I like I follow was like I did this by mistake and then it became a thing. Like this is a guy that I follow. His name is Jason Joshua. He's like, um, I really like him because he's, he's, um, he's responsible for a lot of sounds. I like, like the okay. weekend reverb and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's very technical. Yeah. Yeah. And that's maybe the first person that got me into like being technical. Shout out to like a really good friend of mine. His name is Robin. He's an incredible artist. So me, like Rob will call me like Robin is an artist, right? First. And then I think he's a great producer too. But Robin would be more technical than me. Like, yeah, like below like 50 hertz. He did one. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying, Rob. I don't know. But like, he's way more technical than me. He's like, yo, Jason does one, two, three, four. Like, and then we start like, and then he kind of made me a little more technical than I was. He would give me like, oh, go watch this tutorial by Jason Joshua or whatever. So Jason was responsible for, well, not responsible. He he put distortion on 808s for Mike Will made it. And Mike Will is known to have like the fucking grimiest like trap records, right? Mm. And um, and he said one day, he's like, I, I did this by mistake. I was kind of like trying to stand out between everybody. And then he's like, don't ever follow the rules. Because most of the things that break through are like kind of like wrong. Yeah. So I realized in art, you're always going to have that really annoying person in the corner who goes like, oh, oh, you did that, bro? That's kind of like technically wrong. Like, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, bro. Don't tell. Like, that's why when people hit me, I'm like, what do you think of this? Is this ceramic? It sounds good. I think that's that's the criteria for music. Yeah. Does it sound good? Does if it sound sounds good, good, it's right. It's cool. Um, something you said, once you started, like, for example, learning a bit more about the technical side, do you think that has helped you now in your more, like, the in the way you produce, even though you're maybe not aware of it, but understanding it more now, you kind of have a better idea of what you're doing and how you're kind of doing it. Yeah. Once I got more technical, yeah. I think it helped me kind of like push my push the sound to like another like level ah okay Okay. it helped me kind of get my ideas to be a bit more polished to the point where they sound a lot better but has it made me a better art see there's a big difference right yeah sure like there's a lot of technical artists not even like there's a lot of artists who are very technical but like their sound is like very like okay yeah but there's a lot of people who are not technical but they just sound great. Like a really good example of a person who's really technical, who sounds great, who've made mistakes is like Drake's producer. Mm-hmm. Like when 40 did the thing where he basically put, they call it the underwater effect, like the Marvis room effect when he like, oh, yeah, you yeah. hear nothing but like, yeah, you hear, yeah. but you hear nothing but like the low end of the song. You don't hear anything of the high end. Everyone thought he was filtering, but he was basically bit crushing, which basically you're losing, you're losing some of the frequencies from the song. Okay. Nobody knew that for a while until he told people, like, basically, I'm doing that. And that's a big no-no. And music community, like, what are you doing, bro? Don't do it. <laughs> but, like, 10 years down the line, it's like this sound. Like, this guy has crafted an entire sound for the biggest artist in the world. And he was doing something technically wrong. Exactly. I'm going back to the first, the other question for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on a rampage here. <laughs> that's okay. fine. Yeah. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you is, so you know how a lot of artists you know, I've heard, like watched like interviews and stuff and they talk about how you know as an artist they, your music needs to evolve and then like for my the example that comes to my head is like I think of Kanye's albums like Graduation and like College Dropout and yeah. I, like I love them but then as an artist he evolved and then later stuff I didn't really like and then people like shit on like oh I don't like his stuff anymore I like his old stuff but yeah. as an artist you keep needing to I I believe I think you keep needing to evolve so how do you balance like how do you still keep producing something do I produce for people or do I produce for myself first? Do you understand what I mean? Because yeah. if the vibe goes away, do I lose like my status? Do I lose all this kind of stuff? Well, there's two different types of producers and artists, right? There's sure. the artist who's always trying to get like a like a hit. Yeah. And there's the artist who's just making music for themselves. It's, there's always that kind of like two different. That, yeah. It's like food world, right? There's always like the unknown chef who's making like incredible food, but like he's not really making it to be like um, a fast food chain or a big chain. He's making it because, and eventually it takes off. Yeah. But that journey is a lot longer. And there's the person who's trying to catch one. They're trying to get that one thing to kind of just have them take off. And you can hear the manufactured essence of what they're doing. Mm. A really good example, like, and it's the it's totally out of what we're talking about, but like comedy. Okay. There's different comedians, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a comedian like Kevin Hart. You know what I mean? Yeah. He worked hard, but then he kind of like built something that he knew he was going to be a sensation. Yes. And then you have someone like Bill Burr. Yeah. Bill, Bill Burr is yeah. like, oh no, I'm not going to be PG-13. I'm going to yeah, say yeah. whatever I want. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. going to piss off some people, but uh, but I'm just going to take the journey. And then Bill Burr was doing an interview his podcast actually yeah, this yeah, week, he and podcast. he said something recently. He has one with Bert, yeah, Bill yeah, Bert, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he was like saying, "I remember Dave Chappelle saw me once, and came up to me. He's like, you're really good. It's gonna take you a lot longer, but once you blow up, you're gonna take off.' Okay, and that's exactly mm. to answer your question. Like, there's yeah, literally yeah, yeah. two roads on this. I was like, 
do you have is, is it is it a marathon for you or is it like kind of like a sprint if you're sprinting that's how you go about it if yeah. you're if it's a marathon where you're willing to go through the process to get to the point of like proper the proper point where you're supposed to arrive to you take the kind of like you make music for yourself a really good example is like a tame impala for example oh yeah, yeah tame yeah. impala doesn't make music for anybody he goes off to the middle of nowhere sits there with his band and just makes music He's not following a... But then again, like, you hear Tame Impala early on, and it's like, what is this? Like, I remember hearing... I remember when I started listening to Tame Impala, it was because an A&R hit me up and was like, oh, we're working on such and such album. And that's when I was trying to get placements, like, in the States and stuff. It's like, oh, her reference is a Party Next Door mixed in with Tame Impala. And I'm like, what the fuck is a Tame Impala? <laughs> I didn't even know what a Tame Impala was. And at that point, he already had a song on Rihanna's album that she took and she resang. I had no idea it was him. So I mm -hmm. went back and I listened to him. I'm like, I was listening to it and my mind was just like, it was like an explosion. I'm like, and I was still was like, what the fuck is a Tame Impala? And he, there's no rules to it. Like, you can't really give him a genre, but it took him a lot longer. But when he blew up, everyone now kind of like, it's more obscure but like you yeah, respect it like yeah dude I listen yeah. to Tame Impala type thing yeah, like, yeah. You're like you know what you, you know music you know but he's blowing up right yeah yeah so it's like honestly back in the day you wanted to conform but like music is in such a beautiful space that you really don't need to yeah like you can just make whatever and if it takes off it takes off if it blows up it blows up you yeah. know what I mean and do you fall under that philosophy like that's how you like to work with, like with the artists whatever is you're, you're in for like the long more the long road or do you want like a couple more like Hits. Hits, hits, hits. I'd like to get a few hits. It's nice to have a few oh, hits. Of course, you know of course. I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just how manufactured is your hit? What do you mean by that? So you can manufacture a hit right now. You can make, uh, you want to make, launch a, you want to open a new restaurant, right? Yeah. You want to make a hit right now in Dubai? Open a fried chicken sandwich spot. <laughs> you know what it takes yeah, for you yeah. to do something that's super manufactured yeah. that will kind of take off for three weeks. Yeah. You can do that. In any profession in the world, there's an easy shortcut to things. Mm. Now, is that is that is that longevity? It could be, it probably not. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's the answer to your question. You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. can, I can't make a hit right. Hey Mo, you know, just throw in a few Arabic words here and there. Let's get like a guy to play oud here, and let's like say <laughs> some things about like the Middle East, and like you know what I mean. And then like it's a hit. <laughs> it work. Yeah. But is this is this longevity for him? I don't know if it's longevity for an artist like you know what I mean like um, you don't have to really manufacture like you can manufacture something and it can yeah. feel manufactured sometimes but there's people who do it and they do it so good yeah and there's people who who do it and you gotta live with it yeah because yeah. if you make something right now that you manufacture and you know it's gonna hit or it hits are you willing to sing that song for 10 years that's true are yeah. you willing to be you wanna be that guy like <sighs> Like there's a really good example. Like Gangnam I just Style is a person. Yeah, like, lover. do you want to be that guy? Do you want to be the Gangnam Style guy for yeah. ten years? If you can live with it, see, some people don't really like music. Yeah, they're just they want the check or they want to be big, right? Sure. If you can, if you can live with it, bro, salute. Go. Yeah. For me, I would rather not. Okay. Even though there might be a like, I've been in situations where someone goes like, "I got a massive check for you if you can do one, two, three, four. Luckily, I'm a producer; I can get away with it because I'm like, "Yo, just don't put my name on it. Give me the check, and they just don't put my name because I don't want to be known for that thing." Ah, I see. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, as an artist, it's difficult because you're front and center. Yeah. So there's like a decision where you have to make. Like, you're gonna make something, 
maybe it won't hit. Like, there's no formula to it, right? Yeah. There is a light formula. Like, you can put it together. You can manufacture something. But are you willing to live with it? The biggest question that I ask artists is, if you're willing to live with it and this is your truth, if you're Gangnam Style, like, all the time, <laughs> fuck it, dude. Do it. Yeah, do if it, you can it. be, like, people don't know. Like, at one point, Pitbull decided to become Pitbull because nobody remembers Pitbull. Before, yeah, that like guy. nobody remembers the Kulo Pitbull. No one yeah. remembers the Pitbull that was signing Little John trying to make it. The guy who's singing about slanging like dope in the corner, like from Miami, right? Yeah. He was a dope ass rapper. Yeah, like I remember him coming out and his like projects were hitting. Like it was really good for the rap community. But then like people was like, "Yo, I need those millions. Like I gotta do those J Lo records and I gotta be Mr. World Worldwide." <laughs> Mr. You know, Worldwide. so he made the decision to go from here to here, mm. and he's like, "I'll live with it. I'll." Are you willing to wear that suit? Mm. For ten years, <laughs> if you are, then yo blessings on you, dude, and like make the money. But like, it's yeah. all about that decision where you're like, yeah. can you live with your art, and are you willing to to be that guy? Be that anything guy. you make, you have to know something. With the world taking off these days, anything you do that goes publicly, there's a potential of you becoming that guy. Yeah. So you gotta always think about it. Like, can I live with myself being that guy? Being that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's ultimately that. Yeah, I think that's awesome advice. And I didn't consider that, you know, you don't want it like, you, I think you explained it perfectly about, do you want to go for the long game, the longevity, like you said, yeah. or do you want to make that hit? And can you live with yourself being yeah. that guy for so long? Yeah, yeah. In your music career, I don't know, how, how long have you been doing this now? I started when I was like 14. Okay. And I'm 33 now, so... I don't know. I'm really bad at math. Okay, so sorry. my dad would always like say, "If we ever give you the accounts for the company, we're screwed, dude. <laughs> we're going down." I'm like, "Yo, I pass them to my brother because Mo yeah. is really good with numbers. Like, he's my number guy." So, sure. Mo, how many years is that? <laughs> so it's been about 19 years. That means. Um, yeah. At what point did it? What was the turning point for you? At what point did it really? like kick off and you moved into that like next level you went from like a bedroom producer i'm so like, i still work in my home like that, that's fine but you know what i mean that like the credibility you know like i'm now someone at least you know yeah credible respected in the community what was the turning point for you what happened turning point that's a very interesting question because i still don't feel like i've had my turning point really or, yeah. or at least the turning point to get to this to where you are now uh you know that what was that kick that jump a jump? Mm. Well, what, what, what's define a jump though, right? Because I have, I, that's another problem I have. Okay, okay. My sense of time, I don't know if we were recording. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a sense of time, <laughs> which plays on, it, ha, it has a positive and a negative. Sure. Where I don't, like, I still feel like I'm 14. Okay. I still right. feel like I'm 15. Like, I don't think I've aged. Okay. I've become wiser, but I'm still the same. Like, I still have the same level of hunger that I've had when I first mm. was like, oh, I can make rap, I can rap, yeah. you know? I still have that. Sure. But then at the same time, at the same time, I don't feel time. Yeah. Which is also bad. Yeah. Because I'm always late. Yeah. And people hate me for that. You were on time today. You were perfect. Uh, yeah, because I finished something early. But like, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, it's, 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 a, it's a bad and good. So sure. in terms of a turning point, I think the moment... We have a thing that we talk about, like myself, Majid, Mo. We don't celebrate. Your celebration is only allowed for the moment. Like, oh, you did this thing, but you're literally, as a thing is happening, it's done. Mm. So, I don't know if it answers your question, but every time you put a goal for yourself, the moment you arrive to that goal, you're way past it. That's interesting. What do you mean by that? Okay, so, you start a business. Okay. And you go like, I can't wait to make my first million. Problem is that when you hit your first million, that journey, and by the time you hit your first million, your mind's already on the next thing. 
True. true. You're not there because mm. your starting point is right here. You're thinking about the, the goal that you're trying to get to right here. But by the time you're here and you're about to hit that goal, your mind's way past. You're on the next one. Yeah. Ah, so that's why you yeah. never feel, I, I, or at least that's how I, I think about it. Sure, sure. That's why I never feel like, oh, yeah. there's a turning point. Maybe like, maybe the point where we go and do a record with Pusha T or maybe when we, um, you know, like Soul DXB used to be a big deal when we do like Soul DXB and Pusha T comes out and brings out Mo or maybe, you know, like, I don't, but I just don't feel like I've had my breaking point yet. Not yet. No. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But I like the way, I love the way you described it that. Once you get to your goal, you're already past that. I've never, I've never thought of that before. But Think makes, about it. You have a podcast right now. By the time you put in so much effort to get to your 100, 100 episode, right? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And you want to get your first like 100K views. I don't know how many plays you get. Sure. <coughs> Whatever. X amount of views. By the time you get there. You're so invested at that point. You spent so much on promo. You've mm-hmm. done so much work that that hundred thousand that you put there is like fuck this, bro. What is this? Yeah, I want that. Yeah, and yeah, your yeah. mind's already elevating. And yeah. also, I've never been goal driven. I've always been journey driven. Okay, I enjoy what I do. Yeah, I luckily wake up every day and I f- I like what I do. Yeah, I like who I am. There's two things about me that I'm so blessed. I like who I am, and I like what I do. You know what I mean? I know all my flaws as a person. I know all my flaws. Like, there's a funny point where you hit, when you hit 30, when you start recognizing yourself. What do you mean? And recon- what, recognizing what about yourself? Just who you are as a person. Okay. Like, you know how they tell you, oh, you could like, you need to change this and you need to grow into this and you need to become this. No. I think you start, you don't really change. You're still that 10 year, you're still the same person as you were at 10. You just know all your faults and you know how to work around. You hack your mind. You mm, hack yourself. Mm, mm. I'm always late. That's why all my reminders are an hour earlier from my appointments. Yeah. It's not because I've become a person who's timely. It's because I've hacked around my bad habits. You've adjusted it. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I haven't really, ch- like m- the way I'm built, like people talk about DNA like it could change. Like, we don't come with an OS update, right? Like, there's no one, like, there's no cloud right here that's updating how my brain is wired. Like, there's things that are in your instinct as a person. And there's things you're born with, with and there's things that you're not born with. Yeah. And I think at 30, I've recognized those things. Yeah. So what I did was I, I hate saying the word double down. Because I sound like now I'm listening to I sound like Gary Vee now. Yeah, that's fine. I, I doubled down on what I did. You hustle? Did you hustle? You know? Did you buy that coffee? Fuck that coffee. Listen, but what I did was, what I did was I doubled down on who, what I'm good at. Yeah. And I moved back from the things I'm not good at. Which is right. I knew what my weaknesses are. Relationships yep. with people, I'm also great at because people always misunderstand me because I'm so front. I'm so I'm so forward yeah. in the way I have. You just say it as it is. I say it as, as yeah. it is. And a lot of people, and I realized, it used to really like bother me. It's like, oh, I think that guy doesn't like me or that person doesn't like me or that person doesn't. And I think I got to the point where, but, but like, I really like who I am. Yeah. And then I realized the thing that really helped me was that just because a person doesn't like you, you don't have to not like you. You don't have to not like them. True. But why I've gotten to that point mm-hmm. is that when you don't like me, you don't like me. That's an energy you put inside. Yeah. That's a feeling you have to feel. Yes, exactly. When I don't like you back, I felt something now. Mm. So now I've taken whatever you were doing, and, and now I'm inflicting it on myself. And I've invested it yeah. because when I don't like you, it's not like you fucking feel anything. Yeah. You feel nothing. You yeah. keep going by your life. Your energies. It's like an energy I'm inflicting internally. 
Exactly. So then I started taking away all these things that, like, for me, like, I get affected by relationships a lot and people a lot. So then I started, like, kind of, like, stripping down my relationships in my life. All right, I love this person, but, like, I mean, him don't really click like that. Like, he kind of makes me feel the way sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of, like, put him in a little corner. Like, this thing doesn't really, I don't really like doing this. You know, I don't like taking those meetings. I don't, and I'm, like, and I realized once you start isolating the things that make you great or happy and the things that don't, and you start doubling down on your traits that are good, on the things that you believe in. And it's like, it's just, you recognize who you are. Yeah. It's a weird flip. It's a switch. I don't know. I felt it when I was like 31. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I recognized a lot of things about myself. And I tr- realized that, like, people were like, oh, that's my true calling and all that mumbo jumbo. Like, bro, when you're, whatever, you're 24, you're going to feel no different when you're 33. You're going to feel no different when you're 60. Because I see my dad, like, my dad caught COVID, right? It's crazy, right? I was tired in bed. My dad's like, oh, I got calls. I'm like, what are you doing? And my dad literally thinks he's 20. Yeah. Knock on wood, alhamdulillah. He's so, he's he's a young man and, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up here. And, it's like, and I realized, you don't really change. You're just, your vehicle gets older. Mm. But, like, the programming in it is fucking same. So you're just same. aging like a peach, but, like. Yeah, you know the seeds still the same type yeah. thing. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't even know if I answered any of your questions. <laughs> by the way. Like I'm pretty sure I've answered <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no, you've answered actually everything. We're I'm just, just having a stream of consciousness right now. Good, good. This is good. Jay Z, call me, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is good, man. No, this is good. I love what you said about, you know, especially talking about the relationships and so on, and stripping those away. And as you get older, you start realizing who are the people that you click with, who are the people that you want. You know, yeah. your time, like you said, we were talking about earlier. You said I have 24 hours in a day. And I'm stuck between my own business and like my music and stuff. Who are the people I want to spend my time with? Yeah. Once in a while, you have to include that random person. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Adi, it's okay. Yeah. That's I don't life. mind it. Yeah, I love people. Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's but fine. then again, like time is the ultimate currency we're dealing with. Exactly. Right now. And we yeah. can't get it back, right? No. Exactly. Unfortunately. Uh, I wanted to move on to uh, your business uh, yeah. and the agency. So talk to people at home and people who don't know. What is Harmony? What do you guys do? And yeah. Just walk us through that a bit. We're re- like, ultimately, we're a research lab. We're still figuring out what we do. But right now, we are a digital um, social media agency, right? We okay. focus on okay. strategy. We do like content. We handle social media accounts. What will be in five years? I don't know. Okay. But today, this is what we are. And I think it's encapsulated within within what we do. And the reason why we built it was because when we were doing music, we're like, you know what we need? We need a dope-ass agency to market our music. Mm. And we just never... Uh, we, it's not done. Like, we're, we're still on that thought right now. We're like, all right, we're building the a dope-ass yeah, agency. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're still here, but it's like... We wanted to build the ecosystem around everything that we wanted to do. It's to the point like we want to do the branding and the, and the music and then we want to do the agency stuff. But then the agency took a life of its own and just became everything yeah. that we do right now. So during COVID, we took a step back. We're like, all right, time. For, like we have a little bit of a slowdown. All right, let's start thinking about the label again and kind of like take some of the learnings and put it in there. So we started kind of getting back into it slowly. But it's just the agency is basically just a social media digital agency with a bunch of young people who really know what the fuck is up. Yeah, like, yeah. That's what we think that we're bringing to the table right now. And we're still kind of in the process of like building and we continue on hiring and just adding more people to the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, Harmony.co, check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what uh, what I like about you guys is that because you're all musicians and like when I look at the website, the feeling that I got is that you incorporate music, 
culture and like fashion those three kind of seem to yeah. be like the main things that come together yeah and i was starting to think why do you think those three are those three like factors are always so connected like if you think back to how like sneakers became popular because the basketball guys were wearing them back then yeah, and that yeah, came yeah. The culture. so why do you think those th- three things are always that just connected to each other I think they're one of the same, though, because... Oh, you like, think so? You don't think I, they're separate things? I think they're one. Okay, interesting. Because culture... it's The center is culture. Okay. Culture influences music. Culture, culture influences fashion. And I think it all kind of like... They all borrow from each other so well. And they're kind of like the same thing for me. Okay. It all looks the same. Like, okay. when you're bringing culture to the table, you're bringing... Because you look at a dope artist and you're like, oh, so like... You look at like, like a Narcy, for example. Like, Narcissist, for example, is way more than music he's culture to me he's i call him ammo narsi because he's so <laughs> even though we're the same age but i just set him up with ammo always because he's like he's so cultured he's such an artist but he brings so much culture with what he does and there's music coming out of it and there's fashion coming out of it like yeah. you know what i mean when you look at an artist you see you see culture you see fashion and you see music and it yeah. all encapsulated in one thing and like narsi is the ultimate example because I've always looked at Narsi and like, bro, you're like Kanye of the Middle East. You know what I mean? Because I always see him like, what are you wearing? First, <laughs> right? Because yeah. no one can wear what Narsi wears, first yeah, of yeah. all. And like, obviously, Narsi now is a lot more toned down. Maybe. I haven't seen him in a while, but like physically. But he's still kind of wild. Like he has like re- a really great fashion sense where no one can wear what he wears and pulls it off as right as he does. Yeah. And then you see the f- that's fashion. And then you hear the music. It's still kind of inter- interconnected because he's still talking about everything the Arabs are going through, mm-hmm. but he's still very artistic with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then fashion. And then it's all culture because yeah. he is wearing the tarbush. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. is, you know what I mean? He's talking about Iraq. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. he is dealing with things that, he's talking about how, like things that our Muslims are going through and in, in, in all over the world, you know, whether, whether they're from Iraq or whatever, you know? So... It's always been that way. Like fashion, culture influences music because like hip-hop is a culture. Yeah. You can't even call it a genre anymore. It's kind of like, you know. It's more than that, yeah. It's, it's way beyond that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I think culture is very much fashion and music, and music. and film and mm. art in general. Like it just influences everything. And that's why you have the whole like appropriation conversation that's going on around the world because you're appropriating someone's culture. Mm-hmm. But how are you, if it wasn't one of the same... How come when I make a certain genre, I'm appropriating music? Because it's the same. Because culture true. is kind of like really interlinked. Art in general is kind of really, fashion is really interlinked. Because yeah. you look at things that have been going around right now, like the conversations going on in the States mm-hmm. earlier than obviously yeah, yeah. what's happening right now. Mm. Uh, you, there was a lot of appropriation conversation. The braids. The braids became a fashion conversation when yeah. it's really a cultural thing like yeah. it's just, it just tra- you know it moves beyond just one yeah. thing but i think yeah. culture is the core culture is the core yeah. of all the things yeah. uh, i think you made a very good point that i used to always look at them as three separate areas are interlinked together but listening to your explanation it does make sense they are part one and the same yeah and i think like you said culture does that is the core of it because like i said hip-hop now is not just a genre it's, it's a, a lot more than that yeah. i think anyone who listens when i say to music when does, i say hip-hop you're gonna see some you're gonna think of someone dancing some yeah. rapping they're wearing some sneakers sneakers like, yeah, you're gonna yeah, just yeah. see a whole thing where exactly. it's like it's beyond just a genre exactly yeah. yeah 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 and you guys said something on your website which i liked which was out of using out of the box thinking to create the best experience now i have two questions yeah how do you start when you're like in in your process like working with a brand how yeah. do you when you think about out, out of the box thinking what are the kind of things that are going through your head and 
what to you is a good experience? How would you describe like a very good experience in your own words? Uh, I have a really good. Okay, so so I don't know if there's any people here listening that happen I've worked with before or whatever, but clients tend to become like they lose their humanity when they walk in the office. Okay. So weird, right? Okay. You talk to a client and they're giving you a brief for a thing they'd like to do, but it's the furthest thing from the thing they're trying to achieve. Okay. Like, I always ask the question, what are you really trying to do? What's the center of the thing that you're trying to do? Yeah. And it's always something, but then whatever they're trying to communicate or do is the furthest thing from that thing. Okay. For example. Hey man, I want to launch a product. You know what I mean? I want to throw a dope ass party and I want to be one, two, three, four. But I want to, I want to put my brand everywhere. I want to be, I want to play really corny music and then I want to do a diswack ass venue and then I want to bring this guy and this. I'm like, hold up. You just said you want to do a dope party. None of the things you described are dope. Mm-mm. Everything you're talking about is not cool. Mm-mm-mm. Right? Yeah. So if you want to do something, let's do the thing you're trying to do. It's not really in the box. It's putting people back in the box. Okay. Really focusing okay. focusing them back on the what they're trying to do. Because a lot of people think that like brands oversell so hard. Yeah, they do. Like, stop, man. I know you're, I know you, I know you are a brand. It's very cool. But like, you understand how crowded it is these days. Like the less you say and the more that you do, the better a turnaround for you at yeah. the end of the day like yeah. so a lot of the times brands want to do cool shit but then they ruin it with all the uncool shit they they want to do that comes from like corporate level stuff yeah which basically um, i think is the biggest problem that we have it's like i always ask a client i'm like all right this is what you want to do now close your eyes you don't work for this company and you're a consumer would you buy into whatever the fuck you just told me ah that's good that's good that's a very good question to ask them you're a consumer first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, I think what makes me good or what makes the guys good is that we're consumers. We buy into things. Like, I'm the guy who's coming in saying, yo, have you heard of this? You mm-hmm. should buy this. This is, You should buy it. Like, I've made my <laughs> friends buy a bunch of stuff that are just, like, probably useless by now because I'm I'm a consumer. Yeah, and my like heart, I yeah. like being a consumer. Like, I love product. I love packaging. Yeah. I, I love when you tell me, oh, this product's going to change your life. I'm like, oh, it's going to change my life. Like, I buy into <laughs> things, right? Sure. But then again... It's become so loud and noisy. Yeah. Like, for example, an amazing brand in town bought a massive billboard, put an international person on it that was on a sitcom from 20 years ago to promote a, a fast-moving product. And I'm just like, you spent 2 million dirhams a month on that. On that. Mm. What are you doing? <laughs> Who's doing your media planning? Who's doing who? What's going on in there? Because I'm a consumer, and you're trying to sell my age group or lower. Sure. Guarantee you, we're not looking at billboards. Yeah, that's for sure. The stupidest thing that I see right now is billboards on the street, and a lot of people are gonna be like, "That's stupid marketing talk." You know how many eyes are on it? We do a conversion of bro. Come on, stop. You know, that's, those are the things that bother me. Is yeah. I see, and I speak to people that work in brands, and they're like, "Oh, we know that." But like we have to do the things and it's like there's so many things that like they want to do something. It's like they they say they want to do a lot of things, but the things that they do are completely opposite from what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? Like you take a lot of cool. Like we want the coolest idea that you have. You take the coolest idea they have and they just strip it down all the way to it not being cool anymore. Yeah. So that's why what what we do is right now what we're doing is we're launching something called. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but like, I hope the guys don't kill me. We want, we've been like, 
we've always wanted to develop, we've always done this, develop concepts without a brand. Okay. Like develop ideas and, okay. then, and then basically find homes for them. Okay. Because when you, we develop them and we take them to a brand, it's already developed if they want to get on board in, one sh- in some shape or form. So we call that like an, it's like an agile department where it basically just mm. works on cool things. Okay. You know what I mean? That's a great idea. That's really cool. Like, it's not really like backed by brief. And we've always done that. Like, when we went to D3 and we're like, we want to do unplugged, there wasn't a brief that was out there. We kind of like built something and took it to D3 or we built something and we used to be all about that. But Mm -hmm. like, we literally feel like we're less about that right now. So we're like, all right, we need to take a step back and kind of like really do this. Gotta bring that back in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And I think that's really cool. But I don't even remember what the question was. (laughs) Hands of God. (laughs) What was the question? <laughs> the question was about, uh, in your mind, what do you think, uh, it was two-part, two about the creating the best experience, what does the best experience look like to you? Okay, like, uh, let me answer that. Yeah, yeah, before we... So, <laughs> back back to that. Yeah. The best experience is the best experience. That doesn't mean much. What, what, what do you think is a that, good experience? What, what like, a, if you're creating the experience right now, what do you think is dope? Something that people are going to talk about for a while, or like something you're going to remember. That's not the best experience. You don't think That's so? That's something people are going to talk about. What is the what is your best experience as a consumer? If you pop up right now, there's a brand launch. What do you want in there? That's a good question. I wouldn't even know how to answer that to be honest. You want something. As a consumer, if you close your eyes and you work in marketing, you want something. That's the best experience. You want to do the best experience, really. Don't just coddle it up and just think about brand, 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 logo, 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 logo. Where's the experience? What is it? So is the experience the feeling that I'm trying to like give you? The experience is literally the experience. What kind of music are you playing? What kind of food are you serving? What venue are you using? Mm. What feeling are you bringing to people? Do you yeah. know what I mean? What yeah, are yeah. you giving consumers like, sure. when they show up okay. to your, if it's an experience, right? Yeah. What do you, fucking Gary Vee, value. <laughs> it's value. He, he says the right shit. But talk. value first. Yeah. A lot of brands are like, ask first. Mm. Yeah. Don't ask me to buy your product. Give me value. Like, you know who's doing something amazing that I saw this week? There's a company called Aswak. Aswak, yeah. Uh, the, what, the grocery store? No, 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 no. It's like, um, it's an online platform. It's an online, I think, um, it's like a stock trading pr- platform that's really young. Okay. So I, I saw something they posted and they were doing like really cool uh, financial advice by people. And they're telling you all the wrong things they always thought about investment or financing or how to handle their finances or whatever. I, I'm pretty, I hope I didn't butcher what they do because yeah. I have a very short attention span. But I thought it was so good. Mm. You didn't tell me what you do. You, they didn't tell you, oh, by the way, go to, to do this. No, they were like, they just showed you a really mm. good advice. And yeah. it's really like a good piece of content. I'm like. That's good marketing. That's good marketing, yeah. Because you came you came across with something where you presented value first. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people don't give value first. Don't they just value. ask you to just buy, 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 sell, sell. But it's like it's so crowded. Like, yeah. how do you stand out? Exactly. Yeah, I know. So the best experience is something that presents value first. That, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. now I understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, I want to be conscious of our time. But, so for my last two questions. Yeah. Uh, number one, what's, from, from a music perspective, what's the... What's the end goal for you? Do you have something in mind like, what, okay, I know you're going to keep doing it and like yeah. you said, you'll get to the goal, another one will come, but what is something that you truly like would want to, if you can achieve that, you'd be like, you know, I can, what hap- whatever happens after is great, yeah. but I've achieved the goal that I've always wanted to achieve. What would you like? Mm. Okay, so I've, I'm still on my creative world yeah. and stuff, like journey and all that stuff. Yeah. 
I've but I've moved past it where I feel like I want to create um, longevity and stability for everyone in my team from the creators that I work with whether they're the producers that I'm currently work with or the artists that I'm work with I want to find the perfect formula for me to be able to give them the safety they need to create and I okay. want that formula to be repl- like we I want to be able to replicate that formula for everybody that I think is amazing sure that that is like before I go I just want to give artists the like the foundation somehow yeah for you to be able an artist in our region to pay your rent to pay your dues to be able to live a decent life I'm not saying I'm gonna make you a millionaire but like to be able to pursue because that was my dream when I was young to find a way to just build a foundation for artists to be able to pursue without having to feel like they can't survive they can't survive yeah, yeah. I think that's an awesome dream, man. Yeah. That's really, really cool yeah. that, uh, that you're planning to do that. Because like you said, given your experience, you know, you got into music for the love of it, and now you're able to create something out yeah. of this. You want to have something that people can, you know, just yeah. carry on with. I want to do it for me first. Don't get me wrong. And yeah. then I'll let you guys <laughs> in the door. But like, Which is fine. Yeah. You got to do it for yourself first anyway. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't but I'm do building it for, it for the whole team. Like, the whole yeah. idea is like, we recently launched... Um, we started doing sample packs, which is like a producer product. I saw right? the thing you did for Beirut, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we started doing it with me like were four producers so we started building the whole like a startup within a startup Mm-mm. for like a whole other thing and it's like it, I, I I see something I'm like alright cool I'm starting I'm trying to figure that out like yeah. everything around it yeah, the yeah, company yeah. the packs the there's something in there I just can't seem to get my finger on it but when I do I'll let you guys know yes please yeah. do we'd love, we'd love to know <laughs> yeah. and uh, I have wanted to say man thank you so much for coming on the show today this has been awesome thank you uh, and the last question that I ask all my guests is what is the question what is the message that you like people at home to take home with them today um Honestly, do not put like do not focus on your goals too much. Do not focus on your goals. No, know what they are. Don't make them the thing. The moment your goals become the thing is such an ugly journey. Because when you arrive, you're empty. Mm. You haven't enjoyed. Like I see a lot of people that are so engulfed in, I want to, whatever, whatever financial, whatever. I want to get there. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah. Now I'm just like, hold up, hold up. Look around you. Yeah. Look where you are. You're in an awesome party or you're doing this or you're working overnight with these awesome people or you've built all these friendships or you've enjoyed your time building, doing all these things. Like, do not just do not just build a house to then find yourself living alone in it. Mm. Like, don't make the thing like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. enjoy your journey. And yeah. if you don't do that, honestly, it's such a sad, sad, yeah. sad time that you're about to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So focusing on... Be aware of the goals, but it's not all about the goals. It's about the journey. Because when you arrive, you're, what are you, yeah, you're, you're, already you're, you're done. Yeah. You, let's say your journey takes 80 years. You'd be 80 and miserable yeah. with $10 million. And then what? Yeah. You know what I mean? But like enjoy it because it's, that's it. That life is a journey. Like if you don't really enjoy that process, if you don't enjoy the process of what you do, start thinking about th- changing that. Yeah, and one other thing is multiple streams of income. Please, everybody, mm, diversify. Multi- diversify as much as you can. Yeah, in whether it's stocks or whatever you want to do, like build different ideas, invest your time. You know, work on different things. Don't just put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, hundred percent. I am. I think that's great advice, my man. This <laughs> we been, I said this I want to leave. Okay, we're know, like here, that, like that, three hours what, later. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's one of the man for the time. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming Good on today, man. I, thank I you love for this. Me, this was awesome. Uh, to everyone, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And as always, hope it helps. Peace.